undoubtedly you have seen before some of the lists like Time Magazine always has a person of the year and uh, other magazines will have the most handsome man or the most beautiful woman. Forbes Magazine always puts out the 400 wealthiest Americans and I get that looking for a church member every year. None of you guys ever make that. I saw something this week I've never seen. It was on a website, Wall Street 24, that said they were putting a list out of the least influential, least powerful people in the world. Wouldn't you like to make that list? It was kind of sarcastic, but they, they named a bunch of people they thought were people, obviously, who had not done a good job. One of them was Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know Arnold, don't you, Big Arnold? Uh, big Arnold was a, a, a big bodybuilder. He was also the governor of California the last eight years, and uh, the state did not do well at all. And then at the end of his uh, term there, it was found out that he had a child with their housekeeper who was about 15 years old, and they'd kept that a secret, and then his marriage blew up. It's not good at all. He was certainly probably not as powerful as he used to be. This morning, again, nobody wants to be considered insignificant, but the truth is that people have one or two perceptions of themselves that are wrong. Oftentimes, we we think we're really something we're not, or we really feel like we're nothing when we are something. I want you to play along with me just for a second, and I want you to pat yourself on the chest and say after me, God loves me. God wants me. And God has a purpose for my life. You know, that ought to be great news this morning. That ought to be something that excites you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We've been in in Mark. We're going to go back to Mark in January, but we're doing a Christmas series in Luke uh, the next few weeks. And we're going to look at this subject this morning about that God loves you, wants you, and has a plan and purpose for your life for your life. And here's the thir- first thought this morning. No matter what your age is, that's true. You see, people struggle with people struggle with the fact that I'm too old to be used by God, I'm past my prime, or I'm too young. And churches, in my opinion, have done a great job of facilitating this lie that, well, that person, those old people, we don't need to listen to them. They're past their prime. Or the, the older people have looked at the younger people and said, well, those younger people, they, they hadn't been around much. They haven't given much money. They don't, we shouldn't really listen to them either. God doesn't play in either one of those things. And, and let's start with the older person first. And it may, may not be age as much as where you are in life. You may feel you're past your prime this morning. In verses 5 through 7 in chapter 1, it begins, and it says, In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and regulations blamelessly. Now, it sounds good to this point. But in verse 7, But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were well along in years. It begins, and it says, In the days of of King Herod. This was Herod the Great who was on the throne when Jesus was going to be born in just a little while. Herod was a wicked, wicked person. And if you were reading this 2,000 years ago in this part of the world, to say that when King Herod ruled would be the equivalent of saying, if you read something today that said, in the days that Adolf Hitler ruled. I mean, that would not be good. It's kicking it off and kind of giving you the background of this guy who was king. He was appointed king over a part of this world 
where Jesus was going to live over Samaria, Judea, Galilee, and some other areas. And we're introduced to a, an older man named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest, and it talks about the divisions of priests here. And from 2,000 years earlier, going back in First Chronicles in the Old Testament, chapter 23 and 24, you see the, the priests were divided up in 23 different divisions. And Abijah was a, a head, a leader in one of these families. And Zechariah is part of the priestly family. He's a priest. It was an honor and a privilege to be a priest. It was a, a good thing. And his wife was a descendant of a priest. I mean, her, her daddy was a priest. So this was an honor. It was a cool thing. It was great. And it seemed like, up to, again, up to this point, they're godly people. But then it says that they had no kids. Now, to you and me, that may or may not be significant. 2,000 years ago, it was a huge thing. If a couple could not have kids then... They wrongly, it's very important you understand this, they wrongly considered that as a, as a punishment from God. They, they didn't have God's favor on them, that God was punishing them, that, that really it was kind of a curse that they couldn't have kids and they were looked down upon. And it also says here, now they are old people, they are elderly people. One translation says they were well stricken in years. Go home to your grandparents today and say, you look well stricken in years. That's an interesting way of putting it. Another translation said they had gone far in their days. How many of you people in here that are 50, 60 plus feel like you've gone far in your days at times? That's a pretty good understanding of what was going on here. And in verse 18 of chapter 1, Zechariah expresses his understanding of his limits because of his age. How can I be sure of this? The angel said he's going to have a child. I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. You know, I'm 49, and at 49, I consider myself middle-aged. And someone laughed and said, well, if you're 49 and middle-aged, you're going to live to be 100? You know, I hear people say they're 60 and they're middle-aged. I guess they're going to live to be 120. I don't know what old age is. Now, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not there, but I know it does exist. And at some point, if you in front of me, when you're lucky enough to live longer, you will enter that stage of wondering, are you past your prime? I heard a story about old age, I think, that illustrates well, maybe where uh, Zachariah and Elizabeth were. There were some, some high school graduates. They graduated together, loved each other. And after their 20th reunion, when they were 38, they decided they were going to go eat a big meal together. So they said, let's go to the Glowing Embers restaurant. It's, uh, it was all guys, and they said, hey, you know, we're, they got good-looking waitresses there. They're cute. We can flirt with them. Our wives won't care, you know. It's harmless. So they go to the Glowing Embers. Well, 10 years later, they're 48, and they say, where do you all want to go eat after the reunion? They say, let's go to the Glowing Embers. They have a, a good wine list. They've got good food. 20 years later, at their 50th reunion, they're in their late 60s, they said, where do you want to go? They said, let's go to the glowing embers. It's peaceful. It's quiet. It's nice. The next 10 years later when they're 78, where do you want to go? Let's go to the glowing embers because they have wheelchair access. We can get in and out, handicap accessible. And then those few who made it to their, their 70th reunion when they were 88, they said, where do you all want to go eat tonight? And they said, let's go to the glowing embers because we've never eaten there before. <laughs> Welcome to Zachariah and Elizabeth's neighborhood. And some of you this morning, you may feel the same way. You know what? You can be 40 years old and feel like you've missed God and you've missed it. And you've, you've passed your prime. 
for God to use you. But here's another thing. Sometimes people feel they're too young. And again, I think the church has done a fantastic job of making people feel too old or making people feel too young and a fantastic job in a horrible way. In verse 26 through 28, it says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary is a, this is Mary here. Mary is a young girl. I would guess, if I was put on the spot, how old do I think she was? She was probably 14 or 15. I saw this week Jewish girls in this part of the world. Now, listen to this. Jewish girls in this part of the world in this day sometimes married when they were 12 and a half to 13. Hello, Mama. Uh, can you imagine that? I mean, by th- this is the young married couples here uh, 2,000 years ago. That's pretty scary, isn't it, for you parents? I mean, she's just a, she, she's a, a, a young teenager probably. And one thing that's going through her mind, we're going to see another thing that was going through her mind later, but one thing that had to be going to her, through her mind is you're, you're telling me something that you want to do with my life, and I am a, I'm young. And how many times do I hear, I don't have the knowledge, I don't have the experience. I'm new at this. Or again, you're past your prime. Well, let's see what God does when he gets in the middle of it. In verse 18 through 14 in chapter 1 again, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid. Isn't that easy for the angel to tell you that? Zechariah, your prayer's been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Okay. Zechariah is a part of these divisions of priests. There were so many priests in these days. Priests served two weeks a year. You think Baptist preachers are bad. We just work one day a week. They just work two weeks a year. They would work eight days, and then they would be off again for, for 24, 25 weeks. And while they were working, one priest was selected twice a day to go into what was called the holy place. We're going to show you in a minute on the screen to offer incense to God. And they did this by casting lots or by stones. And apparently Zechariah, not apparently, he did. He got the white stone or he got the good draw because he was chosen to go into the holy place and do this. Twice a day they would do this. They would go in and trim the the wicks at the lampstand and they would offer incense to God. Let me give you a little picture of, of what this was like. Now the temple, if you were to see the picture of the temple, it was a huge structure they called the temple, but there was also what the place they considered the inner temple, which can, had uh, the places where really people went in to worship. And at certain places, only men and then priests could go in. This right here is called the holy place. Only priests could enter here. 
Twice a day a priest would come in here. This is the Holy of Holies. This is where the presence of God was. There was a gigantic uh, curtain right there, very thick veil that separated that. If Josh was in here and he stumbled into that, we would have to drag him out because he would die. You would die if you went in there. So Zechariah, probably only once in their lifetime are they going to get this opportunity. He gets the opportunity to go in, a great honor. He trims the wicks over here at the lampstand. This is the altar. He goes over here and he's putting incense on the, the, the altar to offer up to God. And lo and behold, right here to the right of the altar, an angel appears to him and says, You are going to have a son. And he is thinking, Wait a second. I am a senior citizen. I got my AARP card right here. I am drawing double Social Security. It hadn't been canceled yet. What are you telling me that I am going to have a kid? And that's exactly what happened in verse 57. When it came time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, and this guy happened to be John the Baptist. I want to tell you this morning, if you're 70 or 80 and you're here, you're watching on the Internet, you're 60, maybe you're 50, maybe you're 45 or you're 40, and you feel like that you have passed your prime, you have blown it, you have missed your opportunity, nothing could be farther from the truth. God can use you no matter how old you are. How many of you know who uh, Colonel Sanders is? Everybody in here knows who Colonel Sanders is because you've benefited from his product. Colonel Sanders' story is interesting. Colonel Sanders at 65 basically had failed. His business had shut down. He used his retirement money at 65 to go out and try to start franchises. And then, of course, he became hugely successful at 65 plus. Again, I tell you that to say no matter how old you are, God can use you. What about this Mary? Let's look in chapter 2. Uh, verse 7 of chapter 2, what it says about her. It says, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. <laughs> Here's this young lady, this young teenager, and, and she knew there was no way that this could happen and for several reasons, but yet it did. Young people in front of me, and, and maybe you're, you're, you're in college or whatever it is, what are you waiting on to start doing something for God? Well, I, I know because I heard it when I was younger. Well, you just need to, you need to let the older people do this. You need to let the middle-aged people do this. You need to start serving God and swinging for the fence right now. Everybody in this room knows who Mark Zuckerberg is. Mark Zuckerberg is one of the creators of Facebook. By 23, he was a billionaire. How many of you girls would like to date him? I mean, one day, you know, your parents probably wouldn't mind if you married him, had a good prenup, whatever. You know how much a billion dollars is? If you put a million dollars down it's in, and multiply times a thousand, that's a billion. At 23, I'm going to tell you, most of us, if we live to be 323, we won't earn a billion dollars. Again, I tell you, if that's true in the physical world, what about in the spiritual world? What, what's your excuse this morning? I'm too old. I'm too young. I want to tell you, despite your age, God not only loves you, God not only wants you, but God can do great things. He has great plans for your life. Here's the second thing. You may not feel you have what it takes. You may say this morning, I don't have the gifts or the skills or the ability to do 
what God wants me to do. Well, if that's how you feel, you would be in good company with these folks this morning. Let's read again in verse 7. In verse 7 of chapter 1, But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were well along in years. Again in verse 18, Zachariah says, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. First of all, they had had physical problems to this point that had kept them from having children. Now, she has passed menopause. You know what that means? And she wasn't going to have any kids. I mean, it was physically, humanly impossible for this to take place at this point. What about Mary? In verse 30 through 34, the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. In verse 34, Mary says, How will this be since I am a virgin? Let me tell you, it kind of explains some of this to you. You know this anyway. The word virgin there does not simply mean a pure person, like, well, they're pretty good, or they're morally on target. It literally means someone who has not had sex. It it meant literally to not know someone experientially. Now, without getting into all the biology of this, do you understand that it is impossible to have a baby without having sex? Okay? This is in the Bible. It's not me just making this up or talking uh, risque, okay? It's impossible. She is in what's called the pledge stage of, of a marriage. In Jesus' day, when they got married, there was three processes to it. There was the engagement, which might happen when you were five years old. Your parents found some other kid that they liked, and they said, Junior and Miss Junior, we're gonna, y'all are going to get married someday, and you better hope your parents have good taste, guys. Are you really in trouble? Then there was the pledge stage and then the marriage formal. The pledge stage lasted one year. This is what was kind of weird. One year before the wedding ceremony. And during this time, you were considered husband and wife. The only way it could be broken was by divorce. If one of you died, you were considered a widow or widower. But here's the weird thing. You had no sex during this time. He lived at home with his parents or by himself, and she lived at home. And at the end of that pledge stage, they got married. So it's in this period, in this time in her life, when she finds out that she is uh, going to have a baby. You know, the first person that questioned whether the virgin birth was true was Mary. How can this be since I'm a virgin? And you know, this morning, I want to tell you, if you don't feel like you have what it takes, great. Because one huge barrier to being used by God is arrogance and feeling like you're there and you're arrived and you got it all wrapped up. But you may feel this morning, you know, I don't have the talents, I don't have the gifts. Again, one thing I hear a lot, I don't know the Bible well enough. That is an easily solved problem. It just takes discipline. But I hear that a lot. I don't come from the right family. I don't have money. I want to tell you, when you put God in the mix, God can do something with your life. What did he do with Zachariah and Elizabeth? 
these older couple. I won't read it again. Verse 57, it says, She gave birth to a son, and the son was Jesus Christ. Verse 35 through 37 are great verses. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. She was said to be barren, is in her sixth month. Look at verse 37. For nothing is impossible with God. Hey, you know this morning, the truth is, you are limited. You are limited. You are not Superman or Superwoman. But God is not limited. Did you get that? You can't do a lot of things. Amen, that's good. You need to buy into that. But with God in you and God directing you, nothing is impossible. Do you know who the name George Washington Carver is? George Washington Carver is possibly the most influential man in the history of the South when it comes to agriculture and farming. George Washington Carver was born into a slave family. He was born into slavery. He never knew his dad, overcame tremendous obstacles, earned a doctor's degree, and became one of the greatest scientists of his era. You don't think that he looked and people looked at him and said, what can you accomplish with your life? How many of you recognize the name Heather Whitestone? Does that sound familiar at all? Heather Whitestone was Miss America in 1995. Okay, that's a tremendous accomplishment in itself. Here's, here's what makes it doubly tremendous. She's completely deaf. She's deaf. Do you think when she was seven or eight, if she would have told people, I want to be Miss America someday, you know what they would have said? Oh, that's good. She's an idiot. She can never do that. Oh, that's great. You're never got, you do not, oh, no, no. We'll try to train her to do something else. You see, here's our problem. We spend so much time looking at what we don't have and what we can't do that we miss God. We keep our eyes on the horizontal, the earthly, instead of the vertical on God, and we limit ourselves. I want to tell you something this morning. No matter what your gifts are, your talents are, your abilities, your education... God loves you, God wants you, and God's got a plan for your life. The only thing that's in the way of you and God is you, is you. And let me give you one last thought on this this morning. You may not feel worthy of God's love and of his purposes. You know, you may look in the mirror and you may say, I know me and I know who I am. And I just flat out don't feel like I'm worthy of being used by God. Again, I'm not sure to some extent that's not a better place to be in than the the most arrogant position. But it's still a wrong spot to be in. In chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, some familiar guys enter the Christmas story. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Isn't it neat? When the angel shows up, he always terrifies people. 
<laughs> you know, the, the one person who wasn't terrified in, in this story was Mary. Isn't that cool? The little teenage girl was not shooken up by. And, but the old priest and the shepherds, who were probably pretty tough guys, were freaking out when the angel showed up. But I sympathize with them because I think if I was having my prayer time and I look and there's an angel there, it's going to freak me out too. Would you agree with that? I'm probably going, hey, what's going on? I mean, it's, it's going to, I scream like a little girl, I would imagine. Okay, these guys are keeping the flocks. They're, the traditional shepherd field, shepherd's field was about three-fourths of a mile from Bethlehem where they kept sheep for, for uh, the sacrifices. Shepherds, this is very important. Shepherds were low on the social scale. They were hired hands. They were, they were basically low-paid, low-skilled hired hands. They were notorious for being dishonest. They walked from field to field with their sheep, and there wasn't a lot of fences back then. It was easy to pick up things and to carry them off. They, they couldn't get in much. They were out in the fields for two, three, four weeks at a time. They probably smelled pretty bad. They didn't make it to the synagogue, to the temple. They didn't practice all the ceremonial rituals. Their character, again, was so questionable. Listen to this. A shepherd could not be a witness in court. <laughs> a shepherd couldn't be a witness in court in this day. And the, the Jewish rabbis had put them under what was called the rabbinic ban. In other words, unless they did the right kind of repentance procedures, they were not allowed to participate in the synagogue or the temple activities. Isn't that incredible? These guys were low on the social scale. You know, this morning... Some of you may look at yourself and you, you may honestly say, I'm not in the in crowd. Or you may look at yourself and you, know, and you may say, honestly, my past is not very good. Some of you may look at yourself and say, my present is not very good. Some of you may be honest enough to say, my reputation is not what it should be. Here's a scary thing. Some of us may have a bad reputation, and we just don't even know we have a bad reputation. If all that's true, does that eliminate you from the game with God? Here's the great news. Absolutely, 100% not. The story goes on in verse 10 through 17. It says, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Again, easy for the angel to say. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He's Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened. So they hurried off. Someone said, this is the first Christmas rush right here. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Look in verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. Guys, here's something that's absolutely incredible. The first people that heard about Jesus being born that night were not the priests, were not the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leader, the wealthy, the pompous, the people who had all the answers. The first people that heard that Jesus was born were these questionable, at least of reputation, questionable guys, poor, outcast 
religiously and socially. The first people that saw Jesus that we have any record of were these guys. And the first people that went out and spread the word about Jesus being alive were these guys. Is that not incredible? See, here's such a wonderful thing about God. A, a, a church or a group of people or your religious clique, it may shut people out because of what's gone on in their life in the past or because they don't fit in or because who their parents are or are not. God doesn't. God says, listen, if you will let me, despite where you have been or who you are, I can do tremendous things in your life. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that fantastic? See, here's the heroes of our stories today. Old people, past their prime. A young lady, not near ready to be a powerful player for God. Shepherds, social, moral outcast of their day. See, God says no matter where you are this morning, I love you. I want you, and I got a plan for your life. But let me tell you, let me tell you three people that God can't use real quick. If you're taking notes, write this down. The triple A club, the arrogant, the apathetic, and the already arrived. Arrogant speaks for itself. You know it, been there. The arrives part of that group. They've, they, they've got the answers. They understand. They don't need to be taught or to hear much. The other group's the apathetic. Just don't care. But the great news is when you decide that you want God to do something great in your life, and you'll get off your high horse and get on your knees. God can do and God will do in your life things you would never imagine or could dream of. If you'll let him. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray you're not on a high horse. I pray that your heart's open. I pray that you're humble and that you're willing today to embrace God, to do whatever you need to do, to be used by Him, to be blessed by Him, to, be, to find His plan for your life. If you're not a Christian this morning, I challenge you right where you're seated to pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. And today I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son who died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart now. I give you my life this morning. 